What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, the morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock, and today we're going to talk about the San Francisco Giants. Thank you all so much for an exciting five days of PitchCon. I was hoping to get more work done. Of course, I didn't. Uh, I was just too distracted by PitchCon the entire time. Um, but that was so incredible. We raised not 14000 not 10000 $15,000 as we got more donations over the night. Um, and uh, just this morning, we had uh, one last push over a 15, and that's just absolutely incredible. Um, 100% of that is going to uh, to Mass Gen Hospital um, and their research for ALS Center. So I'm just, uh, I, I'm blown away by it. Thank you so much for participating in it. And uh, we are going to be sending out all the prizes uh, this week. So we announced them last night. You will get an email if you want a prize. And those that were generous enough to donate a prize, you will also be in contact as well. Um, and we'll make sure that everyone is fully set up there. But yeah, we uh, we had a fantastic time. And we'll have all of them up on YouTube later this week as well. It should be faster than usual because we did it through YouTube Live um, and transmitted that to playback. So we'll have them up on YouTube if you missed any of the panels, the presentations, including, of course, me talking to Cole Reagans. If you missed that, yeah, I did sit down with him like I did with Jameson Tyone and Pablo Lopez. I also got to talk to Jeff Passan. Uh, we have uh, many new podcasts from Eno Saris and I doing one called The Craft. Um, can't wait for more of those. Uh, Sarah Sanchez and Shelly Verstraight are doing a new podcast called Fantasy Feud, um, which you absolutely need to be listening to. Keeper Cut did a live podcast. I, Ellen Adair and Eric Lede, their podcast, Take Me Into the Ball Game, is now on the Pitcher List feed, so go check that out. Uh, they have all of these fantastic podcasts from their old uh, old home um, that are going to be uploaded onto our network. Definitely go listen to those. They go over all baseball movies, and uh, it's and they tell you all about them. It's awesome, especially your favorite movie. They do such good analysis of each of them. So definitely go listen to those. And I casually mentioned it um, during, I believe, Todd Zola's panel. But I'm going to be doing another brand new podcast this year. It's going to be called the SP Fab Forecast. It's going to be coming out on Fridays in season as I go over your fab decisions for starting pitchers in your deeper leagues, especially your TGFBI 15 teamers. It will be exclusive to PL Pro members. Uh, I will also be live streaming that on Fridays, so if you want to check it out and get a preview of it, it will be on Fridays during the season, but of course there's no fab to be done now, so I will not be covering it, but I'll be going over the guys I like for two starts and uh, the the scraping the barrel on fab, but also putting guys into different ranks of, hey, if this prospect is coming up, I like stashing this one um, and making those decisions for you. That'll be every Friday in season with an update on On The Wire as well on Saturday nights as Adam Howell will be texting me say, hey, look, is there anything that's changed? You know, this guy is not going here or this guy's going there. And uh, I'll be responding and they will be reporting on the On The Wire podcast for you guys to get any sort of updates as the weekend goes on. But all right, we're going to talk about the Giants today. And Logan Webb obviously is going first. I have been back and forth on Logan Webb through this offseason. I remember seeing the early ADPs of him being inside the top 10 and like a number fifth uh, sometimes overall SP. And I initially was saying, no, 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 no. Can't happen. Um, at the end of the day, I see someone who's not necessarily going to have like a 22, 23% strikeout rate because I think the changeup is going to be a little bit worse. It was a peak season last year. Super high strike rate, super low ICRs. 52% O swing to righties, 49, 50% against lefties. Like 
that stuff is usually a peak and not something that sticks around. But then again, Logan Webb had games of throwing 60 plus changeups last year. Uh, so it, it's pretty awesome. And it's a wonderful pitch that really works in tandem with the sinker. As that sinker looks just like the changeup, but then all of a sudden it, the bottom falls out of it. It's five miles per hour slower. It's so hard to adjust. So the sinker steals all the called strikes, 30% to lefties, and then I think 34% to righties, which is absurd. So Logan Webb like has the that one-two combo. It's not it's not one that is going to earn all the strikeouts, though. This is one that earns grounders. It's why he has the 100th percentile ground ball rate. And I don't want to lean into Webb as this 107 whip guy and for 200 plus strikeouts. Like, it's going to be probably like 180 strikeouts. We're hoping for 200 innings. Should. Um, I, I can't help but think there's some health concern considering he threw about 220 innings last year, but then again, he threw 190 plus the year before. And after the slow start in one in uh, 2021, he was totally fine through 140 after that. So I think we're fine. Um, Logan Webb, his ERA is the big question mark. And the reason I say that is because grounders are weird. Grounders are Babbitt frenzied guys, and there are 300 Babbitts where he should be. His hip or nine was above eight last year. So it's a question of, all right, is Logan Webb going to be able to hold on to the same left on base rate that he had of about 74%? Should be fine. It was slightly above average. Uh, he doesn't get the whiffs, though. Like, it's a 10% swing striker. It's really just stealing called strikes with the sinker and then throwing the change out of the zone and really getting weak contact on that. And that's pretty cool. I'm not necessarily against it. Um, and you're saying, Nick, he has a slider, too. He does. You know, he threw 21% of the time. And he throws a lot more against righties. It was about 25%. It's a pitch he's still figuring out. Uh, I, I really want that pitch to get better again. He changed it from being a gyro pitch in 2021 to being a sweeper in 2023. And I think he changed grips along the way as well and trying to really figure out what to do with it. It's strike rate going down to just 57% against righties is a problem because you really want that sweeper to work well against righties as against lefties. He had a super, super bad ICR. I mean, it wasn't even good against lefties. Or sorry, against righties anyways, 42%. And that's really the area where you say, look, if Logan Webb, you're going to be a sub-3 ERA guy with a strikeout rate hinting that 26% that we used to see, then um, you have to get a slider that really works again. He doesn't have that yet. So I'm a little worried about it against lefties. And righties is still not quite there. The sinker is still really good against righties. It has a 45% ICR, as it should, because he doesn't really jam them. He goes back door. Uh, lefties, it's a little bit better because he does that front hip stuff effectively, and I'm okay with that. At the end of the day, I feel like last year was a bit of an overperformance in front of for whip at 107. I think the walk rate goes up to really affect that whip, but the ERA really shouldn't be much different. And you're going to get a good amount of wins. It was only 11 last year, by the way, 15 in 2022, 11 and 13 in 2023. It should be higher. Come on, Giants, win a few more games, please especially with how long he goes into games. So I think it's going to be like 12, 13 wins. I think it's going to be um, 180 strikeouts, and I think it's going to be solid ratios, and that's really, really solid. So I want to have him over riskier guys, and I have him above Framber Valdez. Um, Logan Webb's going to be likely around 15 inside of that, something like that. I haven't quite solidified my top 100 yet, or really the top 300. Uh, but yeah, Logan Webb, I'm more in than I thought I would be. I don't want to put him top 10. 
just because I think the strikeouts take a small dip, and I think the ERA isn't as pristine as we want it to be, uh, just because of his super ground ball tendencies. I know it's, wait, home runs, whatever. Yeah, it's about like an 8.8 homer per nine. But what I'm getting at is that he has the possibility of all those grounders just finding holes quickly. And uh, it doesn't. he doesn't have that overwhelming dominance of getting that strike at what he needs to, which makes me a little concerned. Um, Kyle Harrison is someone that Eno and I talked about on our episode of The Craft. And definitely go check that out. Um, I don't know what's going to be on the network. Um, it will be soon. I, we still got to figure out a few things of it. And it might be out kind of in February or so. Um, but I... In the meantime, I'll tell you all about Kyle Harrison, what we talked about after this break. So I'm not going to go over everything here. Um, obviously not. And that's such a fun podcast I'm doing with, you know, we just went on all these tangents and that's really what I want that to be. Um, with Kyle Harrison, at the end of the day, I just can't quite get behind him as a command guy. He just isn't. I think he's a slinger, even though he has a generally decent uh, high lock that is like 55% against righties. That's why he had a 14% swing strike rate as the four-seamer is an elite VAA pitch and he has a good amount of extension. So those two combined, it doesn't matter that it's a 13 IVB four-seamer. If you're that flat going upstairs with solid extension, like it's going to work. So I love that, but he goes more arm side and I think it's because he really flings open his shoulders so much and makes it really the slinging action and... It's frustrating. I don't really believe that Kyle Harrison is going to be a guy that can jam that four-seamer inside to righties consistently. If he does, oh man, that's going to be so filthy. But against lefties too, he actually goes far too arm side too often. And then when it's over the plate, it's like over the plate and not upstairs. And I get really upset about it because I think Kyle Harrison could actually have this overwhelming four-seamer if he's able to do that. But I just don't think he's going to be able to command it. His 4% swing strike rate with his four-seamer against lefties is so low. Generally, you're supposed to flip this. You're supposed to have a really good swing strike rate, same-handedness with good VAA four-seamers, and he gets a 4% swing strike. It's not like the 14%. So that should get better over a larger sample. I want to think so. I just have innate problems with Kyle Harrison's command that's just, yeah, you have more to fix than just like, oh, cool, just do this here, and that's great. Not to mention, the curveballs we talked about in this is it's kind of like a dead zone curveball as uh, Eno was pointing out, saying like it doesn't have enough vertical drop and doesn't have enough really the uh, the sweep to make it something legitimate. And he got more strikes than I really expected with it, but a lot of times watching him, it was just every other, and it's so annoying. <laughs> like he battles himself more than the batter. So Cal Harrison to me is a cherry bomb um, who is going to have these amazing nights. I'm telling you right now, he will explode for like 10, 10 strikeouts on a given night and it's going to go, oh, 25% plus strikeout rate, closer to 30%, okay. But man, he is going to, he's going to walk too many guys. He's going to, I mean, he had a, a lower walk rate than I expected last year. It's going to go up. Um, I think it was like sub 8%, if I remember correctly. There's just too many warning signs for me that uh, Kyle Harrison is just too volatile. And in 12-teamers, I don't like volatility. I don't feel like Kyle Harrison is the one you chase because I don't think you're going to get into that place of being like, yes, I've got it. He's in. I know every five days we start Kyle Harrison. It's going to be good. It's going to be rough. Um, I hope to be wrong here. I like. I really hope that Kyle Harrison's like, no, I know how to look at my four-seamer and I'm going to become a Carlos Rodon. <laughs> like, that's that would be so cool. I don't have faith, but I really, really wish he does. 
Uh, Ross Stripling is also here. I get worried that the Giants are going to do what they did with him last year and Sean Manaya and Jacob Junis and Keaton Wynn uh, because I don't really think he has a good enough arsenal. The changeup is solid. It's easily his best offering, and it does do well against lefties. It was a 40% ICR last year, which is weird, but a 21% swing strike rate. I think that he could have more success against righties with it. He got destroyed with it last year, but I feel he just needs to get into a rhythm with it. Um, it was around... Uh, I'd say under 20% usage. And if he goes to 25, 20 or 25 to 30%, then I would imagine that would mean he would be more in rhythm to uh, be able to locate that better there. Because honestly, everything else is just not good. The four seamer and sinker are just not good pitches. He does try to do the O swing thing and he does get it like a 40% O swing on a sinker to righties. But when it misses, it's really bad and doesn't do enough there. The four seamer, he actually locates well to lefties. And that's why you see like the 12, 13% swing strike rate against them. But it's sometimes it's good and then it gets absolutely destroyed otherwise it just has all the bad marks um in VAA and he's super over the top he actually does a decent IVB because he is a higher release point but it's steep as heck and doesn't get extension and it's not fast enough and 16 IVB is not enough you need to like have 18 19 to be able to be like okay maybe this would be uh normalized or not normalized but just uh, nullified um, so I, I just don't see enough from Ross Stripling here to make me ex excited to draft him. I feel like it's too pedestrian. There are days the curveballs work in, the cutter and slider and changeup are all there, and it's great. Yeah, it's too too little, and I don't think he's really going to be like a six-inning guy consistently because the four-seamer and sinker are just too bad, and the secondaries aren't elite enough. Jordan Hicks is one that I would be targeting, though. Um, I recently checked since the start of January, and really actually in the middle of January, too, it holds up. 350 ADP in these deeper leagues. And I want in on a 12-teamer. He's your perfect example of like, hey, are you going to change anything in this offseason? And if you are, we'll know it early. But if you are still in that first game battling yourself more than the batter and you can't throw enough strikes, then no, I'm out. It might take until June, though. Jordan Hicks is one of those guys that at some point this year, you're going to be like, oh, man, I wish I had Jordan Hicks on my team. Because I actually think that the Giants are serious about letting him start. You might not see long long starts in the beginning. And for that reason, it might just be out because like it might be four innings in the beginning. And you feel like you're holding on to something when missing something else. And it might be too volatile in the beginning. But I want to say by like June 1st, June 15th, Jordan Nix will be stretched out properly. So he can go like 85 pitches or so. Which means he can go at least five. Hopefully, the four-seamer that he's saying he's developing and working on is legit because the sinker, while being a really good ICR offering, it's just so hard for guys at this 100-mile-per-hour pitch. Maybe it's going to be like 98 in 97, 98, which would still be good enough, and I hope that it, that is to keep those ICR rates low. But the four-seamer is something that I hope can be you know, a better, uh, a better offering to be consistent inside the zone. I don't know. He doesn't really have like elite extension IVB VA. Just throwing like a hundred is really like <laughs> the thing. I mean, it's not, it's not elite. It's not bad. It's fine. Um, and maybe the four seamer will look better with like IVB stuff and everything, especially at that velocity. Um, he has thrown one before, but I feel like it's going to be a different one that we see and just being more profound with how he's releasing and all that kind of stuff. Now the slider kind of gets destroyed uh, when batters actually make contact with it. Because it's really hard to make contact with this pitch when it's like 15 mile per hour slower. But when they do, 
yeah, it gets like 40%, 50% ICR, like really, really super high. Again, small sample in the, in relief and everything like that. But uh, it really comes down to, can you throw a strike with that slider? Can you get strikes more above like 60% or 61% on the sinker and the four-seamer? And if you can, there actually might be something there to that. Now, I also wonder if there's, I think I saw something about a splitter with Hicks. You know me, I don't really believe that. And what Hicks needs is a strike pitch. He doesn't need a splitter, another whiff thing. Um, so, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I'm just curious what we get from Hicks. And the fact that you have such velocity already that has been effective at limiting contact, like, give this a chance. This is much more exciting to me than the other ones who I feel more destined to to struggle and to be volatile while Hicks. Let's just see what he does. Um, it's incredibly cheap at 350 ADP, which is essentially like the last pick of your drafts in 12 teamers right now. On the fringe, you have Keaton Wynn, uh, who has a, a splitter that really performed well last year and crossed 42 innings. But I don't think that this pitch is going to last the same way uh, over a larger sample. It was like 55% usage of great strike rates, low ICR, and uh, a ton of whiffs, but everything else is just bad. So I'm, I really want to believe this, but the four seamers are so bad. And it's just the splitter. He's not Kevin Gosman 2.0. Like, it, maybe he is. Maybe the splitter is actually this amazing and the fastball can be better. But his 96 mile per hour velocity is just all of the bad things. Like the lowest extension, the lowest, like the worst VA, steep VAA, VA, which makes the splitter better, I understand. Um, and terrible extension. But hot dang, like... It is so reliant only on a splitter. You know me. I can't get behind that. Um, Tristan Beck has a decent slider that's really like a cutter and a sweeper. And he throws it a ton. Um, I don't know if they are really that amazing. And the four-seamer got called strikes and had a stupid good like sub-30% ICR. Um, that should regress over a long amount of time. And that's really it. Like He had a 19% strikeout rate last year with this. I don't think they trust in back features enough in that secondary department with that slider and in cutter. Uh, like it's a slider and a sweeper and we had combined them on our player pages. We're going to be splitting them up. So we're going to see slider sweeper soon for Tristan Beck. But uh, yeah, it's just not enough for me. Um, Alex Cobb and Robbie Ray are both going to return at some point, hopefully this year. I mean, Cobb is a hip injury, so it's going to be like July. And I don't think that he's in a place that you want to go for. It's against splitter that sometimes is there, sometimes not. And the sinker and curve. Nope, 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 nope. Don't do this. You shouldn't be going after that. And Robbie Ray, when he does return, sure, obviously go after this. But he got Tommy John in early May of 2023. And we wouldn't expect him back by like August at the earliest. Um, relevant prospects, guys that might come up are Carson, Carson Weisenhunt. Um, he has, he's had a really good strikeout rate and whiff rate in uh, in AA as it was, as he rose up to it. Uh, a plus changeup from the left side. Um, he throws about 40% of the time. The other 60% of the time, I don't quite know if it's going to be that good. Um, and I imagine it's going to be some time until we see him. Um, I want to think that like, he can be a uh, a solid lefty with a gyro slider uh, to righties and lefties. Um, but we'll see. And I think like he needs to have more of an option against lefties. But there is something here if that four-seamer can be commanded well. And hopefully the marks when we get to AAA uh, suggest that he has a good, good enough fastball. I... Landon Raup uh, throws a ton of curveballs, like over 50% of the time. And uh, that's that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, it's a really good curveball. And he has a sinker slider and changeup as well, which makes that people are kind of intrigued about this. There is some hype. 
Um, we only saw 10 games in AA last year, so pay attention to him if he moves up to AAA this year. Uh, it's possible we see him midseason, and I would at least take a shot on him um, when he does show up. I don't really love the sinker at low to mid-90s, um, but it is solid mechanics. It makes me feel like he's going to have good control, good command, and I don't really know how good that slider and changeup are, but with that curveball really leading the way, like he has a decent foundation here. Um, Kai Wing Ten Tang, uh, Kai Wei Tang. I got this. 130 frames in Double A AA and Triple A combined last year. Um, so you have to think that the Giants will lean on him pretty quickly. He had a 27% strikeout rate since 2019, like pretty much consistently, legit nut with numbers because he has a really low arm angle and like a kitchen sink of stuff. Um, he has a high walk rate, and which is a little bit annoying, but. I'm really curious about Tang. I mean, you have all these strike, there's like massive strike out rates and whiff rates and low arm angle, and he might be kind of interesting when he appears. So take a note with Tang. I'm, I'm really curious how he refines it when he does show up. And there's Mason Black. Um, he had 13 starts last year in AAA, so we could see him soon. 20% strikeout rate, 11% uh, swing strike rate, so it's more called strike focused. Um, it is a low arm angle um, while he is able to get on top of it too. And it is a four-seamer that has higher IVB than you typically see from three-quarters, which is really cool. And it does speak to high four-seamers. Um, and if he's able to learn a changeup, that's actually good. Like, maybe Webb can say, like, hey, here's a solid one because he has a really good slider. There's legit hope um, for Mason Black. Now, he wasn't able to go longer than the five innings in AAA. Uh, so I'm really curious how Mason Black continues, but... To me, there's something to be said about like this lower arm angle that is able to get more IVB than you want in your four-seamer means, okay, go upstairs with this slider that's vicious, and if you get a good changeup in there, oh my gosh, Mason Black could be really, really interesting. And Carson Seymour is the last one. Uh, he has a solid slider, but he's sitting 93-94, and there really isn't enough, I think, here uh, for me to think, oh, okay, cool, Carson Seymour is a guy I need to get. Um, it's just like an 11% swing strike rate, uh, so... Maybe we see uh, him in AAA this year and come up through the system for the Giants. But yeah, for me, it's Mason Black and Tang and, and Rope and uh, and Wisenhunt also uh, being involved. So pay attention to all of those as they come up this year. But that is it for today. I'll, of course, be finishing up these podcasts the next three days. Um, next with the Twins and then the Yankees and the Dodgers. And, of course, these articles are available for PL Pro members. I will be releasing them to the public um, in about a week or two after the launch initially, and then I'll make them exposed for everybody. Maybe actually during that launch, um, just because I'll be using a lot of the things I've written for this for that top 300. That's why I've done these articles, is I'm writing the blurbs for the top 300 um, and it's essentially just applied to just uh, teams in the short term. But that is it for today. So my name is Nick Pollock, and may your babbits be low and your strikeouts high.